You're listening to the Niners Bros, your home for post-game analysis, correcting media narratives, and keeping you up to date on all things San Francisco 49ers. What's up, guys? I'm Michael Ditchfield. And I'm David Ditchfield, and we are the Niners Bros. On this week's episode, we recap the 49ers' 33-17 victory over the Dolphins in what was by far the most interesting game of the year. Um, the 49ers moving to 8-4 and four and still in first, but obviously the biggest story is that Jimmy Garoppolo left this game with a severe injury, and Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, final pick of the draft this year, is now the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. This has to be the craziest season in the history of 49ers football. Every week, it seems like we talk about how snake bit the 49ers are with this injury bug, and this week was no exception. Jimmy, of course, with that really awful injury. Before we get into all of that, a couple of other injuries as well. So this was Eric Armstead's first week back in forever, and the guy who's been holding down the fort for him, Hassan Ridgeway, now has a strained pec muscle, and he's going to be out six to eight weeks probably for the rest of the season. The 49ers are actually running out of IR designations, which who knew that was a thing, right? Well, 49ers fans do because it seems like every year we're flirting with that. How ridiculous that we are still talking about all of these injuries. It's just hard to watch and just, I mean, what what else can you say? Bosa's dealing with some hamstring issues. It's going around. Yeah. I think the craziest part of this is we look at at what was a huge victory for the 49ers against a playoff team. The Dolphins were hot coming in, you know, darlings of the analytics world with Tua being the number one rated quarterback. And, you know, they'd won five games in a row. And, of course, all the intrigue, too, with McDaniel and so many former 49ers players on this roster. It's so amazing how the 49ers first drive ending with this Garoppolo injury just completely changed not only the story of the game, but the story of the 49ers season. And it's just, it's absolutely wild. We talk about how in life timing is everything. And if we had done this podcast immediately after the game, before the press conferences, we'd be talking about, you know, Jimmy and, you know, hoping that his injury would only keep him out a couple weeks or yeah, maybe how it's bad just it was a be. Yeah, high ankle sprain. Maybe he comes back in four weeks. If we had waited to do this episode until after Kyle Shanahan met with the media, we would have said, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo is out for the year. Now what do we do? Now today we just found out breaking news that it was not a Liz Frank injury and that there's hope that Garoppolo could return this year in the middle of the playoffs, should the 49ers manage to to win a game or two under Brock Purdy, which is so funny because Trey Lance's injury timeline, they've been very adamant that he's not coming back this year, but you absolutely could have the 49ers win a playoff game with Brock Purdy against an inferior opponent and then have a week where the entire week everyone is analyzing videos of a rehabbing and suddenly healthy Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance while also breaking down Brock Purdy, who anything could happen, but between now and then very likely will lead the 49ers to the playoffs. Just imagine, I've never seen anything like this in football where you could have the media trying to decide which of three quarterbacks the coach should start in a, in a playoff game penultimate to the NFC championship game. It is, it is crazy. Yeah. I mean, if you try to come up in your mind with the most bizarre, wild, twisting, turning, event that you can even think of in terms of a quarterback situation how could you do anything more dramatic than this Um, you know we talked about how the Jimmy injury of course with him being done for the year how that's devastating and now that wasn't quite enough drama so we're gonna say actually you know what if the 49ers do win a playoff game or two he could actually come back it's just crazy I'm just sitting here shaking my head I can't believe this obviously we've got to give Brock Purdy a tremendous amount of credit for what he did in this game we will be talking about that of course at length but some other quarterback uh, news or drama if you will on top of all of this was Baker Mayfield so you talked about the timing Um, a lot of people had Baker going to the 49ers uh, as a backup option or potentially to compete uh, over Purdy kind of a, a a lot of different opinions on that one. Um, I know you and I actually don't agree on this one. Yeah. Uh, typically, you and I are pretty much in lockstep when it comes to 49ers things, but uh, we'll get into that in a second as well. But just so wild with the timing of all of this, right? So in the offseason, the Panthers decide, you know, we're just not really sold on Jimmy. We're going to go with Baker. So they pass on Jimmy. 
Jimmy, of course, puts up career numbers for the 49ers. Clearly, it's like, well, they made the wrong choice. They should have gone with Jimmy, right? Because Baker's been benched and isn't even starting. So now, of course, Jimmy gets hurt. And in the same week, the Panthers decide to release Baker Mayfield. And everyone is saying, well, the 49ers are going to get him, right? Well, we didn't. Um, he did. He did not clear waivers. He didn't. Uh, didn't make it all the way down to the 49ers. Picked up by the Rams. Yeah, yeah. So that makes sense for them. Um, you know, with Stafford done for the year, you know, who knows? He might retire. His body has been through a lot. He's definitely one of those uh, Jimmy Garoppolo types, where he's a warrior who gets hurt all the time and you know plays through it as best he can. But he's had some really, really severe injuries over the years. He's, he finally won a Super Bowl. You have to wonder, you know, is he going to want to come back? Does he have that fire, that drive? You know, is is that going to be the right decision for him? You know, Baker has some upside, certainly. And McVay is so, a qu- quarterback fine, whisperer, right? Fine. So let's go ahead and talk about that because I was stunned when this topic came up and you told me that you were totally in favor of Baker. Nick Bosa and I, you know, he's he's not here, but Nick Bosa and I will respond later. But but why don't you go ahead and tell us why why the 49ers missed out? Tell tell me what we missed out on today when the Rams claimed him. Well, how about you start with all the reasons why we shouldn't? That way I can counter those arguments. I don't want to make myself look stupid here saying why we should do all of these things and okay, then you fine. hit me with all fine. these facts. Okay, fine. I, I will tell you why. I'm glad that we do not have Baker Mayfield on our team, other than just the fact that that's not what Nick Bosa would have wanted, and we need to show Nick Bosa <laughs> some respect. Um, Baker Mayfield is next to Jamarcus Russell in QBR over the last few years, and you know we're always told to be careful of the company you keep. If you are anywhere near Jamarcus Russell in any kind of QBR or analytics rating, that means that you are playing the quarterback position as poorly as you possibly can. This is a guy who tried to play through a torn labrum last year. He got beaten up. And look at how you know the 49ers' nickname for Nick Mullins was BDN, right? We know what that stood for. They really admired his moxie and his cojones. You heard a lot of that about Brock Purdy. Why is it that Baker Mayfield can try to play through injuries and yet you don't see his teammates out there campaigning for him, shilling for him? His teammates hate the guy. So he he seems to be either washed up or damaged goods. He's not performing anywhere near the level of what he was a few years ago. And his teammates hate him. I, do, I just don't. I understand that he had a good year a couple of years ago, but the idea of bringing an overly self-assured, you know, Grant Cohn talks about good Jimmy, bad Jimmy. Baker Mayfield plays like bad Jimmy Garoppolo, just horrible decisions, turnovers, slinging the ball into triple coverage. For me, if you're bringing him in with the idea that he is either going to surpass Purdy or play once Purdy gets hurt, then the season is is lost anyway. You're not winning the Super Bowl. I know you think it's unfathomable to have someone like Josh Johnson be the starter, but I was just, as soon as I heard that news, I just hard pass, hard pass on Baker Mayfield. Tell me why I'm wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of said it right there in that final sentence. So I do think it is completely unfathomable, unacceptable, ridiculous to turn this roster over to somebody like Josh Johnson. No offense, but he is a career practice squad guy. He's played on something like 15 different teams in 14 seasons. And, you know, I, who has he started for? What kind of like actual NFL experience does he have? Where I disagree with you is that you say that, well, if it gets to that anyway, then the season is over. I disagree. With the 49ers defense, if they come out and they play a good game, all you need is somebody who can manage the game and not make mistakes. So obviously when you talk about that, Baker Mayfield is not the first name (laughs) that comes to mind. Um, He's probably not middle of the pack. But, you know, we talked about how McVay is like a quarterback whisperer, right? Shanahan and his team definitely – are able to maximize what they get out of the quarterback position. I mean, they didn't have a ton of success with CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins, but my goodness, who, who could, who could have that kind of success with quarterbacks like that? So I think if they come in with an ultra simplified game plan for him, where you're throwing short throws over the middle screens, whatever, I think he's at least got enough experience. Again, I am not saying under any circumstances that he should start or even have the expectation to compete with Purdy at this point, but are we seriously riding Josh Johnson? Shanahan said that basically, you know, they look at everything, but he basically said earlier this afternoon that they weren't really 
seriously looking at Baker Mayfield. And I just don't know, like, what better options are there? I yeah, he stinks, and yeah, I mean, he's not great in the locker room. There are not a lot of positives, but this team is too good to just give over to a practice squad player. So, in any business, you hire for the three C's, character, competence, and chemistry. And when you Baker, sacrifice... Baker, Baker, Baker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what I have learned and what a lot of people have learned is that if you compromise on any of those three, character, competence, or chemistry, you end up regretting bringing that person into your organization. And Baker has major red flags with all three. So I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, you are, you are supposing that the game plan that we drew up for Baker Mayfield is one he would be willing to execute. I will contend that if we were to bring Baker Mayfield in and if he were to see the field, that he would recognize that this was his potentially his last shot to really get the attention of people and, and try to get a starting gig next year. I think he would come in and he would not play to the game plan. I think he would try to gunsling and be like, who are, who, who are you kidding? You think I can't make something happen with all these weapons? I think he would play out of control. If, if he could even learn the playbook and that we would regret it. But I think if you go back in the history of the NFL, you'll find quite a few successful people who did not have character or chemistry or cornucopias or whatever the other C thing was. Um, it's not a requirement. Michael Vick. <laughs> it's not a requirement that you be an upstanding citizen. It's not a requirement that you be a nice guy. Obviously, that's helpful in the locker room, but you can absolutely be a jerk. You can be an idiot. You can be illiterate. You can go to jail multiple times for multiple different things and still contribute to an NFL team. So the NFL is a business, but it's a different kind of business than just about any other business because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is what you are able to bring on the field. And yes, we've already talked about how Baker does not necessarily bring a lot. His numbers are terrible. He's been really bad. He does make really bad decisions. Baker, Look, I'm not saying he's Baker. the savior. I'm not saying he's the savior of the franchise, but I just fundamentally disagree that if Brock Purdy gets hurt or if he turns out not to be the guy, I just can't. I, I It makes me sick to think of having this much talent on the team, on offense and defense, and just be fine saying ah well we'll try again next year I, I just can't relate to that at all well we'll just have to to leave it there and, and agree to disagree and for those of you listening yes you can in fact do that you can politely disagree and agree to disagree the bottom line is brock purdy is the quarterback going forward and we could spend an hour and a half on this but i will just say it's so interesting how things can change you know the week leading up to this game people were talking about jimmy garoppolo potentially coming back to the 49ers next year. And now that's unfathomable. Why? It's wild. Because they're going to look at his tenure here and say, well, he got hurt again. That's why we got off of him. You know, so so next year, you know, theoretically they could bring him back. I don't think they will because it just proved their point that this guy is too fragile. He gets hurt too much. I don't think so either. And it's, it's really sad. I'm sad for Jimmy. I'm sad for Kyle and John and for the whole franchise that Jimmy is not able to at least – take this team for a ride, give it a try, and go out on your own terms. In a sense, it is sort of poetic justice, if you will, that once again, he is ending the season with an injury, as he has done more often than not. But he was doing so well, again, putting up career-best numbers for him, his touchdowns-to-interception ratio, which is one of his biggest problems as a quarterback. This, These were the best numbers he's had ever by far. So it's just such a shame uh, to see his season end this way again there is a chance that he may come back in the sure. playoffs but like you said so if Brock Purdy is able to get this team to the playoffs we may be limping across the finish line but it's going to be difficult for the 49ers to miss the playoffs at this point at eight and four that being said if he if he's on a roll and they're actually gaining momentum going into the playoffs Jimmy has not been good in the playoffs um, we respect Jimmy for what he's done. We thank him for what he's done. He has carried this team to be in an outstanding spot to finish the last quarter of the season strong and, and make a playoff push potentially. But uh, it's just, I, I don't know. It's it's rough. It's just this whole thing is crazy. Again, it, it seems like Garoppolo likely will not be back next year after this. I think that's probably the 49ers final attempt at making it through a Super Bowl campaign with him. But so interesting to see what's going to happen with Purdy. You know, is he going to become this 
unbelievable Cinderella Hallmark movie style story where he plays so well that you get to the off season and, and you feel like you can't turn the keys over to Trey Lance and his four career starts after Brock Purdy led you to a winning record down the stretch and and potentially if you you know a playoff win or two or or you know holy cow you know even some improbable Super Bowl you know who's the quarterback next year is it Purdy because of what he does over the next two months is it Lance because Purdy falls flat on his face is it Tom Brady because he's sick of playing in Tampa can you can you redshirt essentially or sit Lance again after they gave him the keys to the car to the franchise this year and said you're the guy you're the guy from the outset of training camp can you bench him again next year after trading all those draft picks can you do that I don't know yeah all I have to say is hold on to your butts 49ers fans like this is going to be it is going to be the wildest December you know potentially January and then just a fascinating offseason as we see how Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch try to piece together this quarterback room I don't envy either of them. Obviously, it's a phenomenal roster that the 49ers have have achieved through the, the draft problem. and free agency. But, but that's the problem, yeah. is that when you have such a good roster, you have to try to win now. And how do you make the adult decision when in reality, really, it would be nice to know what you have with any of these quarterbacks. So enough about the quarterback situation. It's time to take you through the game we're going to keep that a little bit more abbreviated but that's what we do we give you the storylines heading into the 49ers weekly matchup and then we we go drive by drive and we're just going to talk about this amazing win over the Dolphins so obviously the number one storyline was just 49ers facing 49ers you know (laughs) southeast with uh, Mike McDaniel River Craycraft uh, Raheem Mostert Jeff Wilson Sherfield Sherfield so many and the coaching staff Wes Welker Um, A couple of other coaching staff guys as well. And of course, the head coach, McDaniel. And just so interesting to see how these teams would match up a potential Super Bowl preview. You know, people were discussing we'd won four in a row. The Dolphins had won five in a row. So a lot of excitement leading up to this game and kind of a bummer that it wasn't picked up, you know, for either the Sunday night or that it wasn't nationally televised. Certainly there were some other good games that went on this week, but let's get right into it. Miami opens with uh, the very first play of the game. It is a 75-yard touchdown to Trent Sherfield, where Ofunga um, sort of followed Tyreek Hill. Maybe he should have stayed with Sherfield, and then Gibson took a really horrible angle. Um, Al Shair had a, a chance, maybe if he'd left his feet to get Sherfield down, didn't do it. And just immediately, right off the bat, all this discussion about McDaniel and how maybe he was the true genius and has the student become the master, Miami opens with a one-play 75-yard touchdown. How did you feel? I was basically in stunned silence. My jaw definitely hit the floor. I was not expecting that. I was completely expecting, as we discussed in last week's episode, that I was expecting McDaniel to come out with something creative for sure, especially in the first drive and the opening drives. I don't even know that you could call this necessarily creative. It was just one of those plays. He ran straight up the seam and then outran the defenders. It it wasn't like some kind of wild schematic genius it was just a bunch of really weird things, bad angles, you know, bad decisions, you know, not diving to try and make the tackle. So I was definitely shell shocked, but I have seen enough of this 49ers defense that I wasn't overly concerned. Obviously, sure. that's not the way that you want to start the game going down six nothing immediately, like in the blink of an eye especially in a game that you think has the potential to be an offensive shootout based on Miami's efficiency, their Mm -hmm. yards per play. They've been an outstanding offense this year. So obviously concerning, not what you want to see, but I do trust this defense. I trust D'Amico. And, you know, again, I was shell-shocked, but not overly concerned. I think my level of concern was more just that we had wasted one of our defensive lapses on Trent Sherfield, knowing that we had to play the rest of the game against Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill and feeling like, gosh, you know, those guys are, or at least you believed that those guys would get theirs. And we just gave up a 75 yarder to Sherfield. Like, yikes. Well, that's the thing. They have weapons too. And we know what Sherfield can do. It seems like Sherfield is definitely more of a weapon if Trey Lance is the quarterback. Sure. Um, no offense, Jimmy, but, you know, facts are facts. Um, but yeah, the, they're going to get you one way or another. So the 49ers answered with a nine play, 54 yard 
drive that ended in a field goal after Jimmy got hurt. I think the most frustrating part of that was that the first two plays of the drive, we gained like three yards and it set up (laughs) third and seven. And the pessimist in you as a Niners fan is like, oh my Lord, is it this easy? That's so embarrassing. (laughs) The Dolphins. (laughs) So embarrassing. Yeah, they come out one play, 75 yards. We get to a third and seven immediately. But fortunately, I picked up uh, picked up a first down on a nice 23-yarder. And One of Jimmy's final throws of the season, he rolls out and throws a perfect pass on the run. And then he hit McCaffrey in stride after McCaffrey made a defender fall down for a pickup of 33. So there were some good things on that drive. But on that third down, on that fateful third down, you wish that Jimmy would have just gotten down and not tried to run away from two huge, freakishly athletic defenders. But he goes down. Um, 49ers kick the field goal 3-7. to seven, And we didn't even really know that he was hurt at that point. The broadcast did not do a great job of yeah. Of they dropped us in. dropped the ball completely on this. So a guy with Jimmy Garoppolo's history, we didn't see any of this in real time. Like, what were they doing? What were the cameramen doing? So Jimmy, after that, after that sack or you know the tackle, basically where he gets his foot and ankle just crunched, he couldn't leave the field. He tried to run off the field twice, couldn't do it. Then he's on the bench shaking his head, and then he's getting carted off the field. We didn't see any of that in real time, and we're we're just hearing about it after the fact, like what is going on, what happened. They didn't show the replay on his ankle until way later, so I, I don't know what they were looking at, what they were doing, but it's crazy that we didn't see any of that happening in real time. Sure. Miami's second drive featured probably an underrated, in, in a game where the 49ers had four turnovers, There was a play that wasn't a turnover, but felt like perhaps the most important defensive play of the game. So Miami, after that easy, easy touchdown, they have a play where Sherfield is targeted again over the middle of the field on on a third down in this drive. And Fred Warner began that play near the line of scrimmage, faking blitz. He dropped back to cover Tyreek Hill and carry Tyreek Hill to the to the second level defenders and still managed somehow to get back into center field. I know it's a baseball term, but managed to get back all the way into the middle of the field to just get his fingertips and tip a ball that if he had not affected would have been caught by Trent Sherfield, and if not taken for another touchdown would have been a 30 or 40 yard gain. At which point you're feeling like, oh my Lord, these Dolphins are just dicing us up. Just a, a freakish play by Fred Warner reminding you that as much as we've been spoiled with guys like Bowman and Willis, Fred, Fred Warner is a unique athlete and a unique linebacker it's just amazing yeah he's a great tackler obviously sideline to sideline defender with the speed but his really I mean his claim to fame is his pass coverage the PFF scores don't always show that but when you look at PFF I mean sometimes sometimes the scores make sense and sometimes they don't right so like Nick Bosa had three drive ending sacks in this game and he was like somewhere in the seventies. It's like, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure how that works exactly, but yeah, Fred Warner has been spectacular his entire career. He had that one sort of off year, if you will. Um, but yeah, that was a huge play and really significant because Tua was off in this game. Like it's yep. just clear to see from the get go Tua was not quite right. I think he knew how much this game meant to his head coach. He is completely aware that this game is a measuring stick for both teams. A lot of people saying, well, San Francisco's not legit. A lot of people on the other side saying, well, Miami's not as good as, you know, the numbers are. They haven't played anybody. So I think it was a a big game. And, you know, I don't I don't know if that affected him at all or if he was just having one of those days where he just wasn't connecting. He was overthrowing. He looked wildly inaccurate, which is extremely unusual for Tua. Um, you know, if you take away the opening touchdown for 75 yards, you can't really play that game because it's all part of it, right? You know, if sure. <laughs> if you're looking at Jimmy's numbers and you're saying, oh, well, he only threw the ball two yards and Debo took it the other 65 yards you know, that's not really how it works. Your yards are your yards. That being said, at one point, Tua without that would have been something like nine for 21 for just over 100 yards um, and an interception. Uh, So Tua was definitely off in this game. As the game went on, his accuracy came back and he started to look much, much better. But the, the Dolphins offense definitely got off to a slow start after that 75-yard touchdown. Yep, credit Fred Warner with making sure that drive didn't go any further. It was nice to see Ray Ray get a 20-yard return 
that sort of kicked off the Brock Purdy era in San Francisco. It, it felt like a preseason game where, again, like you said, we didn't know that Garoppolo was hurt. And it was like, oh, suddenly in for the 49ers at quarterback, Brock Purdy. And that's when we find out that, J- that Jimmy is, is hurt and, and maybe hurt long term. But all Brock Purdy did as Mr. Irrelevant was not only come in and throw the first pass for a last drafted quarterback in the history of the NFL, but he led a nine play 54 yard touchdown drive to give the 49ers the lead 10 to seven. And I think for those who are debating on first take or on Fox sports or get up or any of these shows that you guys watch good morning football about whether the 49ers can hang in a game against a playoff opponent. I'm not saying that Brock Purdy is going to light it up and he's going to become a legend, but when he got the ball, this was not the sort of thing where the 49ers were leading 21 seven and he just handed the ball off 30 times and managed to not lose the game. The 49ers were down three uh, to seven at the at the point that Purdy came into the game and they outscored the Dolphins 30 to 10 the rest of the way. He did not come in and manage a huge lead. He came in and he out, whether you want to say he outplayed Tua or he engineered the offense or game edge, it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to say against a playoff football team, Brock Purdy and the 49ers outscored the Dolphins 30 to 10 from the moment he got into the game. And there weren't a lot of signature plays in that drive or really in, in too many of his drives, but he did cap it off with a three yard touchdown to juice. The 49ers go up 10 to seven and you could just see how happy his teammates were for him. What a, what an amazing moment that was. So, and juice of course with that that touchdown he spiked the ball i don't think he knew that that was purdy's uh first touchdown ball i don't know what happened to that ball i didn't see anyone talk about that did you hear anything i did and i have to believe it made its way back to him though on the next drive miami goes three and out and punts and like you said you start to see some of these struggles come in the 49ers ended up punting on their next drive after one first down and it was interesting they were a little conservative on a third and two from the 50 yard line there was a loaded box and they didn't audible out of it and shanahan didn't call a pass play they just went conservative and ran up the middle with McCaffrey and it didn't work out. I think that was one of the last times in this game Shanahan was sort of stubborn about that. I think he realized that Miami was hellbent on making Brock Purdy beat them. Uh, but anyway, punt there. And then Miami goes on a 12-play, 65-yard drive with a couple big catches for Hill of 17 and 18. But that drive ended up with a, a Bosa. He gets his first sack, um, an eight-yard loss that forces them into a 43-yard field goal. And it's 10 to 10 at that point. So the teams traded three and outs after that. And then on the fifth drive, Brock Purdy settled in a little bit. Um, he had a, a nice play to Tyler Croft for 14 yards. J.P. Mason got a 19-yarder. And then on fourth and four from the 39-yard line, Purdy threw an interception, but it wasn't like an egregious interception. It was almost more like a punt sort of scenario where, you know, you just got, you know, he had Brandon Ayuk and, and put the ball up and Ayuk almost got his hands on it, but but not quite. Yeah, Miami. it was underthrown. It, you'd like to see that ball definitely more to the outside um, so that there's less of a chance that the defender can make a play on it. Just a, a, a badly underthrown ball. But again, when you have a rookie quarterback in there, these are really the first meaningful game reps he's had. You certainly need to expect him to to throw some interceptions, just like you would normally expect Jimmy to throw interceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jimmy only had four picks this year, which is crazy through the number of games. Um, you know, eleven games, ten starts, only four interceptions. That's phenomenal. Definitely, as a team, you need to be prepared for more interceptions moving forward. As Purdy continues to learn the offense, continues to get comfortable. We saw several times throughout this game as well where the 49ers had to burn timeouts because Purdy did not get the team up to the line. It seemed like there was some confusion. Um, sure. Shanahan as- even said that there were a couple times where he called a play and whether Purdy didn't hear it or didn't recite it correctly, the team came out in a different formation than, than what he had called. So I think that's not unreasonable when you consider that Purdy had no time with the first team and that he was suddenly, you know, walking into this game. But well, Purdy, Purdy prior to this game was basically famous for trying to hand the ball off to <laughs> to Mason uh, when Mason was running behind him. So um, you know, to say that he came in and did what he did, the short story or the short headline, if you will, is that he exceeded all expectations. Sure. The interception there did not hurt you. Like I said, it functioned more like a punt. You could you could quibble and say that if he had waited another second, McCaffrey did leak out and would have been open to pick up the first down. Yeah, but he I could have done one of those Tebow lob. sort of jump passes. and yeah. But I think Purdy was intent on getting the ball out of his hands because Miami really, from the moment Purdy came into the game, oh, yeah. they just made a decision to just ramp up, load the box. Brought the house. You know, 
blitzes all the time. But anyway, Miami got the ball back, and Bosa gets his second sack of the game on a third and eight. And it's just so nice to see on on third down Nick Bosa on the field chasing down quarterbacks, doing what he does best. San Francisco had three minutes left before halftime at that point. Not quite a two-minute drill, but a, a similar sort of feel to it of like, okay, here's a rookie quarterback, gets the ball back with three, just under, you know, just around three minutes left. Can you score before the half, especially knowing that you're going to get the ball back? And they did. He led an 11-play, 76-yard drive. Probably the play of the game for him on third and 10. Miami brought the house, had a free rusher. Purdy recognized the blitz and called a, and not a, not a full-blown audible, but a, a, hot a, tweak, route. Yeah. Yeah, a hot route for Kittle. Managed to get it out to him for a pickup of 20 on third and 10 that pretty much everyone agreed after the game was sort of the, the play of the game for Purdy to recognize that to beat the blitz and to to stand in there and take a shot and still hit Kittle in stride. It was just an amazing, amazing throw. Yeah, that was a big time throw for sure. That's an actual statistic now, Uh, you know, big time throws. That truly was like the definition of a big time throw kept them going and I think he really settled in after that yep you know he he seems like he's a very confident guy he plays very loose very free yes he's going to throw some interceptions but he's also going to make some plays he seems really like at his best and the most comfortable um, on bootlegs or you know plays where you know he's kind of getting out a little bit and can see the field Um, phenomenal throw and he really settled in after that later in that drive a 19 yarder to Jennings and an 18 yarder to McCaffrey, it was interesting. McCaffrey dropped what would have been a touchdown later in that drive, but on the very next play, Purdy came right back to him, and and McCaffrey held on to it that time. They go up seventeen to ten, and after the game, McCaffrey, it was reported that he told Purdy, "Thanks for believing in me. Thanks for coming back to me. I'm glad I had the chance to make that play." And Purdy was kind of, you know, ah shucks, <laughs> like that's so funny. Like, what do you mean? Thanks for me believing in you. You're yeah. you're an all pro. I, I grew up watching you light it up for the Panthers on TV. So overall, pretty amazing that Purdy led that drive and, and leaves the Dolphins with less than 10 seconds. I think it was I think it was like four or five seconds on the clock. Just orchestrated a perfect drive to give you a 17-10 lead at halftime. 49ers get the ball coming out of halftime, and they don't score, but Jennings has a nice 15-yarder on third and five. Purdy did take a sack. Uh, Miami, again, just bringing heat. Melvin Ingram with a sack there, and then later in the game, Bradley Chubb would get a sack. But... Uh, Miami's drive started with a Tyree kill. He had a 19-yarder, and on the very same play, there was a roughing on Bosa. But then their execution, you alluded to it, they were a little sloppy, and it wasn't just Tua. Uh, there was a false start, a holding, and then Jimmy Ward with a, a fantastic diving Superman interception on a play where I believe it was Jeff Wilson again who, it was. who, who had a another really bad drop in this game off his fingertips. But Jeff Wilson falls down on the route. Ward recognizes, leaps up, and grabs the pick. Good for Jimmy Ward. Yeah, and coming into this week, of course, um, there was a lot of conversation about Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert uh, sort of being much happier to be playing for Miami. Jeff Wilson had a brutal game. Um, You know, he was really concerned about his role, and so he requested a trade. Obviously, Miami has been giving him the rock, but... In this particular game, uh, Jeff Wilson did not feature prominently. He had one carry for three yards. Hmm. He had a wide-open drop on what would have been a 30-yard pass. And then, as you said, he was running an option route. Um, I'm not sure what the options were, but like stutter-stepping and falling flat on your face was not one of the (laughs) options. So, yeah, Tua basically threw it right to Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward basically, like you said, Superman jumps over top of Jeff Wilson, who is literally falling on his face and gets an interception. So, yeah, brutal game for for Jeff Wilson. Raheem Moster didn't fare much better either. He had seven carries for only 30 yards. So for all that trash talking they did, um, really a, a rough game. Mostert did kind of try and walk back some of those statements and, you know, in terms of when he said we have more talent here, he said that he was implying that Miami has more talent now than they have had in the past, not that Miami was more <laughs> talented than the 49ers. That's not how Debo took it. Yeah, I don't know if that's true or not. I think if not, it's probably like the best save of all time. Very smooth, right? <laughs> um, and then in terms of the Jimmy Garoppolo thing, he said that that's you know that he wasn't trying to slight Jimmy. He did say some nice things about Jimmy that didn't make it into the article, but... Anyway, just if that was uh, stop one on the revenge tour for them, uh, that was uh, a pretty massive failure. Yeah, not great. And then the 49ers and Purdy, 
just clutch on the next drive, you know, after that interception to have a 12 play seven minute drive. They didn't end up punching it in for a touchdown, but Purdy had some nice throws to Ayuk and Debo. And then Debo had the most magical four yard loss you'll ever see where it, it, it could have been a, a 10 yard loss. There's awesome screenshots of this where you have four Miami defenders who just seem to have him completely surrounded. And he basically ducked out of it like something in a movie. Um, still didn't quite manage to make a gain out of it. But the 49ers kicked the field goal there to go up 20 to 10. Anytime you can go up two scores on an explosive opponent, that feels a little bit better. And then the next drive, Tua had probably his worst throw of the game. And he, he had several bad ones. But targeting, he, he's on the run. No pressure in his face. Nothing in his way. He could have run for a few yards if he wanted. But he had a wide open Tyree kill wide for, open. for probably a six, seven yard gain. And Tua just throws it high and behind him. It's tipped by Hill and easily intercepted by Diamador Lenore. And it's just, it's hard to believe we have a 10 point lead on this team with Brock Purdy and we just got the ball back, you know, in, in their territory. Yeah, that, that was wild for sure. Um, the, the worst throw of the game is, is definitely not an understatement. I don't know if you guys saw the replay or not, but that was so far behind him. That's like a Tebow throw. Yeah, I, I'm surprised Tyreek Hill was even able to get his hands on it. So for somebody as accurate as Tua, that's where, again, you start to wonder, like, is he actually sort of mentally thrown in this game? Has something gone on? Or is he just, you know, having one of those days that that most professional athletes have at some point or another, just a, a really bad off day. Shanahan was conservative with that opportunity. You know, they had a five yarder from Mason and then threw two short passes to McCaffrey and settled for a field goal to make it 23 to 10. And then Miami did show a little bit of signs of life. Jalen Waddle had his first and only catch in the game, which is kind of stunning. You know, we've had some troubles in the slot. I was more worried about him, frankly, than Tyree kill in this game, but Waddle gets his his first and only catch and then Tyreek Hill does his thing like he always does against us and picks up a, a 46 yard touchdown on a bomb to bring them within six points and you're starting to get a little bit more nervous yeah so in some ways the final score of this game you know the the 49ers obviously won handily that's kind of how it felt the the Dolphins did make it a close game at one point they were within striking distance but somehow the 49ers did actually dominate this game pretty much all the way through, even though Brock Purdy was the quarterback from drive number two on. Um, just crazy. The Dolphins did get it close. On that particular play, it it looked like Mooney Ward was expecting some help over the top and didn't get it. He was really nowhere near Tyreek Hill on that, just kind of playing outside leverage and just a pretty much an easy pitch and catch there. 49ers punt on their next drive, and Miami gets the ball back with a chance to take the lead, but they have sort of a frustrating drive where they have two catches that are ruled catches on the field, and Shanahan amazingly challenges both, and both are overturned. The The one that ended the drive was a, a fourth and two to Gesicki that Greenlaw, who was just a monster again in this game, flying all over the field, incredible range, incredible toughness. He managed to kind of wrestle the ball out, and it's rolling around, so... Wes Welker and McDaniel, they were swearing on the sideline. Yeah, McDaniel was super hot about that one. But, but watch I, the replay. It very clearly. Like, never had it. Not yeah. Did not have control. The one earlier in the drive, though, I think if you're a Dolphins fan, and, and I, I work with one, is a, a little bit salty about there's a 14-yarder to Sherfield where I think that, you know, it was one of those where he's going to the ground, secures the ball, and the tip of the ball moves just a little bit. But I think if you were to ask a, a European, like, hey, hey, come watch this. Did that guy catch the ball? They would say, Yes, or or wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> um, only only in this sort of heightened age of all the the intricacies of what is a catch and what is not and what is possession. The corner of the football moved a tiny bit when he hit the ground. That did not look like like he didn't catch it to me though. I think yeah, it's there's kind of there's hairs. an argument to be made for either one. And typically on those plays where it is really really close and it's a judgment call. More often than not, they go with whatever the call on the field was. So definitely unusual to see that one reverse. Maybe the refs felt bad for us after you know the Jimmy Garoppolo injury. I don't know, but we'll yeah, Dolphins fans were definitely complaining about the officiating in this game. Uh, there were definitely some questionable calls, maybe some no calls, as you said, some of those um, challenges that were overturned. So you know, certainly the refs let them play a little bit more in this game than they have in some other games. I would feel more guilty about that really quickly if we did not force four turnovers to their one and if we did not win the final time of possession battle, 40 minutes and 34 seconds to 19 minutes and 26. Yeah, this game, 
when you look at the numbers, it really was a beatdown. Obviously, the the Dolphins' numbers were really inflated by those two massive passing plays, uh, the first one to Sherfield and then, of course, the one to, to Tyreek Hill. But outside of that, it was really tough sledding for the Dolphins. So they were 0 for 7 on third downs, which is crazy mm-hmm. for the league's number one most efficient offense to be 0 for 7 on third downs. That's wild. As you said, the... Uh, the time of possession was literally over two to one. The turnovers, um, w- when you lose the turnover margin there like that, it's going to be hard for anybody to overcome You know all of those different factors. The Dolphins were penalized eight times for 68 yards in this game to only four sure. for 45 for the Niners. So yeah, the Dolphins shot themselves in the foot just about in every way you can in this game. So it's crazy the start that they got off to after that 75 yard touchdown, this game went about as badly as it possibly could have for Mike McDaniel and his, and his guys to get off to such a hot start. The day could not have ended more differently than it started. Sure. And the 49ers weren't done. McCaffrey finally had a a good run. He's been bottled up a lot. I know we would like to see more Jordan Mason runs and and McCaffrey used more exclusively in the past game. Free Mason. Yeah. Not that kind of free Mason. No. Free okay. Jordan Mason, J.P. Mason. Okay, now that's better. But yeah, McCaffrey with the 30-yarder gets them into field goal range, and then some penalties take it to 4th and 29 because what would the 49ers game be without <laughs> some some really boneheaded penalties? But Gold, who was good, he made all, all of his field goals and extra points in this one, hits a 48-yarder to make it 26-17, and you feel pretty secure at this point. But Bosa with the cherry on top gets him gets fantastic pressure knocks the ball out of to his hand and then drake jackson kind of folded to in half i'm amazed that wasn't called a penalty but forces the fumble picked up by greenlaw appropriately who who had a, a phenomenal game again and greenlaw walks into the end zone uh with a touchdown and now the game is completely out of hand yeah on the previous drive one of the things we mentioned last week was how aggressive were the dolphins going to be on fourth down and i think the most notable sort of aggressive call was I think the the Dolphins were on their own what was it like the 18 yeah, yard like line 18 on, on fourth and one and they did actually go for it there they picked it up so that was definitely a ballsy call um, for sure they did later go go for it again on fourth and two that was the one to Gesicki that that Greenlaw uh, broke up also in this game Drake Jackson did have another uh, pass batted down at the line that seems to be something that's kind of a specialty for him. We don't have a ton of guys who do that. I feel like he's he's really close to making an impact. He he's not on the field that much, but yeah, like you noted, you know, in half the snaps, he's among the league leaders and passes deflected, which matters tremendously when it takes second and ten and makes it third and ten. Yeah, you know. And we already mentioned this, but Bosa with two of his first two sacks were on third down, so literally drive enders, and then the last sack, uh, you know, just brilliant move to get around the edge force that fumble that Greenlaw does the scoop and score so so good he's he's leading the league in sacks now blowing away Micah Parsons in terms of QB hits um, and in one fewer game as well so um, in terms of defensive player of the year I would have to think he's the front runner at this point Um, but it really helped to have Eric Armstead back as well I know I know a lot of people are not super high on Armstead generally. A lot of people are still upset that we kept him instead of Buckner. Um, at that time, we were really, really strapped for cash, and the four or five million dollar difference um, in the year-to-year average was kind of a deal breaker. So obviously, Armstead has been hurt, but he came back and played really, really well. Armstead has never been a terrific pass rusher. He did have a career year right before his contract, where I think he had nine and a half sacks that year. Um, but outside of that, he's really just kind of been an average, uh, to pedestrian kind of pass rusher. He has always been an elite run stuffer and the dolphins didn't even bother trying to run the ball in this game. They got nothing done on the ground whatsoever. And it was also really nice to see on one of Bosa's sack. I, I believe it was his second sack. It was on a stunt and Armstead basically pushed the center in. Yeah. Both of them. He pushed the center into the guard and moved both of them across the field so Bosa was basically untouched on that stunt where he sacked Tua on third down and ended that drive so really great to see Eric Armstead back if he can stay healthy especially now that that Ridgeway is hurt and going to be out pretty much for the rest of the year really need him to stay healthy sure and you're not counting on Kinlaw coming back at any point but the 49ers weren't done padding their defensive stats 
um, Tua was taken out of the game, and Skylar Thompson comes in and throws a really a really bad-looking interception to Fred Warner, and then the 49ers are kneeling it out, and Danny Gray does a backflip, which is probably his most meaningful contribution <laughs> to the 49ers this year, if we're being honest. But that's it for your 49ers, 33-17. to 17. We talked about just all the different ways that they dominated this game, but for Brock Purdy, not the most amazing or impressive line overall, but again, Garoppolo seems to get credit for for QB wins and why not Purdy again we outscored them 30 to 10 from the moment he came into the game despite if he, yeah if he can play like this despite all odds if he can play like this the rest of the way we're going to win at least half of the games we'll make it to the playoffs and then once you get once you get to the dance you just got to see what happens so Purdy's final stat line was 25 of 37 for 210 so that's a 5.7 yards per attempt not terrific, but again, we don't need him to light the world on fire. We just need him to limit mistakes. And if he can, you know, hit get the ball into his weapons hands on those short to intermediate throws, those quick passes, the 49ers are going to be just fine with Brock Purdy. Yes, he was really inaccurate on some throws. He made a couple of head scratchers, a couple of balls where you you know, your heart goes up into your throat cuz you're you're thinking it's going to be picked for sure. Um, fortunately, again, he only had that one interception, but two touchdowns. Um, so just awesome to see him come in and contribute like that. McCaffrey was the leading rusher um, with 66 yards, but that was on 17 carries. Yeah, 30 Ma- of those on, on one big carry. Yeah, and Mason was actually 8 for 51, and that's a six six point four yards per attempt. So Mason has been outstanding. Would definitely love to see him getting more involved as the season goes on. So McCaffrey was the team's leading receiver, eight catches for 80 yards. He definitely seems to be more dynamic, more explosive, more of a threat as a receiver. So hopefully we'll kind of continue to explore that, especially now that you've got a rookie quarterback who is going to be looking for that escape or safety valve, if you will. Uh, Debo was pretty much doubtful throughout the the whole week in terms of of what people were saying he was he was not going to be able to make this game he did and he was a major contributor as well six catches for 58 yards Ayuk five for 46 so definitely an all-around just terrific team performance uh Greenlaw led the team in tackles again with eight bunch of interceptions bunch of sacks just a a great great all-around team win not too many injuries to other than Jimmy Garoppolo I think to various more had an injury, but he's become essentially relegated to, to yeah. special teams. So 49ers, as we said, moved to eight and four, and now they move on to face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady, the goat. And what a, what an incredible story under any circumstances, Brock Purdy is becoming the first Mr. Irrelevant to ever throw a pass in a game. That would be a Cinderella story in and of itself, but for his first career start to come against Tom Brady. But 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 Birdie yeah. and the goat. It's you 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 couldn't make this stuff up. Um, the Bucks of course are going to be on a short week cuz they played Monday night against the Saints. A lot of yelling and screaming and swearing from Brady on the sidelines seemed to just genuinely hate football and be completely done with football until they scored two touchdowns in the final 3 minutes to win and then <laughs> yeah. and then he was like a little kid again and Tom and, Brady and doing Yeah, Tom Brady doing Tom Brady things. So you, you know, you kind of have to hope that on a short week and maybe after that kind of emotional roller coaster, maybe they'll come out a little bit tired, maybe a little bit flat. In terms of expectations for Purdy moving forward, again, there, there's really no way to know. He could be the guy. What we do know is that he is the best option for the 49ers right now. There is nobody in the league that the 49ers can bring in who is going to be able to operate Shanahan's offense more efficiently than Brock Purdy right now. So mm-hmm. he is the guy. We need to look for somebody to back him up one thing i will say to you know just maybe pump the brakes a little bit for people who there there are so many people who are saying there's no drop off between him and jimmy garoppolo and people are stupid i just i, I don't i don't think it's reasonable whether you go in for analytics or not or, or whether you want to be like a like the the old scouts in moneyball who are telling brad pitt that he's wrong i, I don't think there's any disputing that jimmy garoppolo was engineering this offense at, at a very efficient rate he was grading in top five in a lot of the efficiency ratings. We were not having a lot of three and out and punting sort of drives. So even if we weren't scoring 30, 40 points a game, he was leading long drives, keeping the defense off the field. And and if you're expecting Brock Purdy to immediately sort of take Jimmy's place and be top five in QB efficiency, that's that's highly, highly unlikely. But that doesn't mean that he can't come in, 
do his job like he did in this game, even with a lower yards per attempt than Garoppolo, and manage to engineer some drives while the defense does his thing. You know, we live in Southwest Florida. We we see a lot of Bucks coverage, and I've seen some Bucks games. And I don't want to jinx our team, but it's just hard to imagine Tom Brady and this Buccaneers team putting up more than seventeen or twenty points against the Niners. Okay, well, Purdy, with the benefit of a couple turnovers or with good field position, can he lead the Forty ers to to twenty points a game? You know, it feels like it feels like he could. Yeah. Know, and certainly the team seems to believe that he can. Ayuk hinted that he had no interest in in anybody but Brock Purdy. He said, oh, no, I'm riding with Purdy. He, yeah. he was not interested in Mayfield. Yeah, the only other thing I'll say in terms of, you know, potentially throwing cold water on the situation is, so Purdy obviously was thrown into the fire in this game really early, came out really kind of guns blazing, carefree. So that's exactly what Jimmy did in week two against the Seahawks when uh, he came in for... Trey Lance, who of course obviously was was basically done for the year with his injury, so Jimmy came out, and then in the following week after that win against the Seahawks, Jimmy basically played his worst game. It was an absolute yeah. turd against the Broncos that we lost ten to eleven, and boy, that feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Sure. Can you even imagine losing ten to eleven to a to that Broncos team I right can't, now? But I, I think you're making a really good point here, and I think especially when you look at games on the calendar and what is the difference between Purdy and Garoppolo, and if you're pretending that there is none measure your level of confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo in Seattle versus Brock Purdy, first time NFL quarterback in the loudest stadium. I know it's loud in college, but certainly I think you have to have a lot less confidence in Brock Purdy playing in that environment. It feels like we're going to burn all of our timeouts over play calling, not over, over situational football in those games, just as he gets acclimated to being a starting quarterback in the NFL. And the Bucks are not, you know, defensively the Bucks are not as good as Denver, but they are definitely a top half defensive team. So, you know, I think better than the Dolphins. I, I think you can safely say that. So it's going to be a challenge uh, again. You know, going up against the goat in your first uh, professional start, uh, you can't get much better than that. Those are the moments that you dream of as a kid. Um, so obviously, we have a reason to be excited and, and reason to be optimistic for the season moving forward. But again, if you're one of those people saying that, you know, it's just going to be smooth sailing from here on out. I think your your glasses are a little bit more rosy colored than mine. Yeah. We're looking forward to it either way. As we said, I think it's just going to be fascinating to watch it play out. This, this is going to be the most exciting and unpredictable finish to a season that we've ever seen from the 49ers. And we're going to be here for you to break it all down. So that's going to do it for us this week. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter for more 49ers content. We are the Niners Bros, and we will see you next week.